what do I do with all these skill sets that I've developed over the years, you know, that I've worked so hard for? I have nothing to submit to. You follow your favorite companies on your other platforms, you do the same thing on LinkedIn. You follow influencers on other platforms, you do the same thing on LinkedIn. You know, everything that you do, give it purpose. Everything that you do, learn something from it. Don't just dismiss it. Welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators and the backstage masters. My name is Anna Rock. And my name is Anna. On this episode, we will be talking to Alexandria Bellevin about social engagement and employment seeking in times of COVID-19. Alexandria Bellavan is a career development expert for performing arts and entertainment professionals. She has degrees in sociology and nonprofit management and is experienced in working with a variety of populations. Currently, Alexandria works as an employment specialist and program manager at the Actors Fund, assisting performing arts and entertainment professionals to secure multiple streams of meaningful income while they pursue their creative endeavors. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. What an interesting uh, career you have in in what you work in, in terms of performing arts and social media and and helping uh, non-profit organizations. So tell us how you got into this. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's quite the story. I fell into it quite organically, I would say. I graduated with a sociology degree and I immediately started working in advocacy. Um, My first population that I worked with was underserved youth in uh, neighborhoods in Brooklyn, like Bed-Stuy and Bushwick, and I would help them get work ready. But also, (laughs) I was the one that would take the kids to their first Broadway show because that was something that they never got to do. And I always grew up in the theater. My mom would take me to Broadway shows all the time. And I even studied a lot of theater in college. So theater has always been near and dear to my heart. Entertainment has always been near and dear to my heart. And when I was ready to make a change, I was able to be introduced to the Actors Fund where they happen to have this workforce development role to help entertainment professionals secure sideline work. So I interviewed and I got it and I've been there for five years now. And it's been so great because I've been able to learn so much from so many different entertainment professionals through my work. And one of the main things that I was tasked with when I was first hired was to create a LinkedIn program. (laughs) And so that's been my journey for the past five years is perfecting this LinkedIn program for entertainment professionals. And it's been great. And particularly, why, why LinkedIn and not other social medias? Why was that the choice of the Anctus Fund or yourself? So I think because it is career related and we are a career services department within the Actors Fund, we're called the Career Center. And the main reasoning was because our clients come to us for help with connecting to jobs that are outside of the industry. You know, I don't want to be a waiter anymore. Not that there's anything wrong with being a waiter. There's some people that come to us and they're like, I love being a waiter. I just want to do it at a different place, right? But a lot of people do come to us saying that we know I no longer want to do the side gig that I've been doing. And where do you go to find employers to talk to? You go to LinkedIn. So that's why it was so important. But there's such a gap in knowledge in regards to 
the non-entertainment world and the entertainment world, you know, they don't know how to communicate well together. I mean, how many times have I been told by a professional in the industry that they feel the need to hide their entertainment experience on their resume? And that's just really crushing that you have to hide that information because it's valuable experience. What do you think that gap is? Because I'm interested in your assessment of that, having dealt with the the way that people feel about approaching employers that are not in the industry. You know, it's really interesting. I have been speaking to some non-entertainment industry professionals lately, and someone told me something quite interesting about how they feel that perhaps employers dismiss entertainment professionals because they don't want the magic of the show to kind of dissipate. They want to keep that fourth wall barrier there. So they don't take the conversation seriously when they're talking to an entertainment professional about what work is like on set or in a theater. They're not talking about what's going on, how they're actually executing projects. They're not talking about the nitty gritty details. They're talking about, tell me more about the drama that's going on. So that happens a lot. So a lot of my clients do tell me that they don't want to get into the entertainment experience details anyway, because it seems to derail interview processes. So I am also under the impression too that You know, it's just been historically, you're always told to leave your entertainment experience off because employers just don't take you seriously. And I'm not really sure (laughs) where that came from or why that is something that is that has just kind of evolved. But there is also this other point where it's entertainment professionals are also told to not talk about their sideline work either in the entertainment industry because then they're going to be seen as not taking their discipline as seriously. So there's just this constant communicating, there's this constant thing where you're communicating with everybody in the industry where just segregate everything, hide everything, and it gets really confusing. And then it causes a lot of problems when entertainment professionals are trying to make money and also pursue their creative endeavors. That's fun, especially in a city like New York, where you need to have more than one job to make ends meet, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that this is where this topic of conversation of, you know, career versus job comes up. You know, there is a difference between your career and your job. Your career is your life's work. You're always working on your career, whether or not you're getting paid for it. And sometimes you're going to need a job to help support you so you could pay the bills. And that's always been true for entertainment professionals, but that's been true for everyone. It's just that entertainment professionals have to deal with it more because of the nature of the work. If you're working on a show and it closes, it's not as easy as just applying for a job in the same industry. It depends on where you are. It depends on what show is happening. It depends on so many things. So artists typically do have to fluctuate much more between career and job. And that could get really soul-sucking and confusing if you're not paying attention. All right. So how do we do it? Like the the way to go? How do we engage socially with the people? What's the way to go to present ourselves to the industry, to potential employers, or just colleagues around the, the, the world and the industry? 
Yeah, this is this is where things get so philosophical for me. You have to fix this all right now. Tell us the answer. <laughs> I know. I know. And I think it's going to sound so like counsely, but I think that if anyone, especially now, right, because there is not work to submit to, not a lot of work to submit to. I was actually just speaking to a colleague of mine the other day and she is a musician and she graduated from Juilliard and she does have her a part-time administrative job. Would she prefer to be playing right now? Absolutely. But she was able to land herself an administrative role. But what we were talking about was you're used to having work to submit to and you're used to getting rejected for it, but you're at least used to being there for you to submit to. But right now, because the industry is at such a standstill, there's nothing to even submit to. So you're kind of like, what do I do with all these skill sets that I've developed over the years, you know, that I've worked so hard for? I have nothing to submit to. So I think right now it's such a good time for people to think, okay, where can I apply my skill sets that I've earned in the entertainment industry? And also, how can I stay relevant in the entertainment industry now, even if it's hard to find work to apply to? Take this time to be creative on your own. So I would say, you know, you want to start from the very beginning. You want to, and I'm always telling my clients to do this, right? I always say, come up with a timeline, like just draw one. Draw one for the last 10 to 15 years. Where have you been? What was your first non-union gig? When was your first union gig, if that happened for you? And also, what were all your little jobs in between? And which ones spark your joy? Which ones taught you something? And then from there, you can kind of start to put together this career story for yourself. And then... The next step is so cliche, which is just think of your interest. I actually tell people to just look around their apartment and just ask yourself, what do you spend money on that falls outside of your basic needs, right? I mean, I'm obsessed with skincare and tarot cards. I mean, I'm always spending money on those things, right? So if I ever thought I wanted a sideline gig or if I wanted to go work customer service for somewhere part-time, if I needed to, I could go do it for a skincare company, right? So it's really thinking about what are those interests, what are those values, and then doing diving into the research, right? Are these industries relevant right now? Are they in demand? Are they essential? You know, where am I needed? And that's the other piece is as like after you've assessed your experience, your skill sets and your interests, how do you fit in as the problem solver? And that's the other thing that you have to remember is that as a career, anything, but whatever industry or profession you're in, you're a problem solver. You are needed to solve a problem, whether you're the performer or the stage manager or the director, you know, you are a problem solver and you just have to kind of figure out where else am I needed other than in the entertainment industry to be that problem solver. And then the thing is, is at the point that you then create that narrative on your LinkedIn profile, essentially, I mean, putting yourself out there on social, because I think the the biggest thing is sometimes you might bounce between somebody's social media, between their Instagram, Facebook, and then you go to LinkedIn and it's painting a, a completely different picture. Can you sort of, is there, is there value in consistency in the story that you're telling online? Yeah, of course. I actually tell my clients that you want to look at the overall online presence. So when 
I'm coaching LinkedIn, I always say consider your whole online presence because an employer can look at your LinkedIn profile, but they're not going to stop there if they're considering you for something. They're going to Google you. And this is something that happens. I mean, is it ethical? That's a whole other conversation that is really controversial in the workforce development world, but it happens. And if your LinkedIn is just full of sideline gigs and survival work or whatever you want to call it, but then they Google you and they find you on other social media platforms and you're in this completely different light, it's really confusing to the employer. And then it kind of comes off as you are trying to hide something. And I think that's the other point that kind of covers it all. There's, it's so hard now to hide anything. So the best thing right now is to be transparent. So when you're going through all of this soul searching, you know, you're going through the steps that I, that I covered earlier, you know, you might want to also try and align that with how you're presenting yourself online. And even if you have to, like, if you, even if you want to practice and just talk about your progression in this journey and one of your, on one of your platforms, that could even be helpful you know, people are very open to transparency and seeing people's transformations now. So I fully support people kind of looking at their online presence and aligning all of them. You know, it shouldn't be a different story. I mean, of course, every platform has a different culture, has different do's and don'ts. But at the same time, you want to be the same person. You don't want to come off as two different people. Put your family photos on Facebook and your work photos on LinkedIn. But as long as <laughs> yeah, know. it's a little cold switching. <laughs> yeah, there there is a little there. Like you said, there are rules, do's and don'ts that are expected. I, I often see on LinkedIn people making comments that this is not the appropriate platform for this, and I always find that really fascinating because who who makes the rules on what we decide is the appropriate behavior on a platform? So it's just fascinating for me because that people do have very strong opinions about LinkedIn, especially when it comes to the work realm. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. I mean, I certainly think that this pandemic has changed the culture drastically on LinkedIn. It is far more of a workspace than it ever has been before. And yeah, there are a lot of people that are on there that try to police the content. And that's what we call them, actually, the LinkedIn police. But at the same time, there's so many people that are utilizing the platform because I think that truthfully, I think that a lot of people are tired of using the other platforms. It's just exhausting because, I mean, I, I'm not on any other platform right now. I'm only on LinkedIn, actually. Um, I'm taking some type of like a social cleanse for a while. But everybody that I talked to when I said, yeah, I'm getting off Instagram, they were like, oh, this is like the best time. You, you chose the best time to do this because it's just so overwhelming. But then you're seeing all these people come to LinkedIn because it's turning into this really supportive platform where we're just talking about all of the hardships that people are dealing with in the workforce right now. People are posting things like, if there's anything that I could do to help you during this time, like drop me a comment or drop me a DM or people are really trying to be supportive during this time on this platform. It's amazing. So what would you... Say so there are the key points we should consider when engaging in social media. Like if we're going to be active in LinkedIn without becoming the police, what can we do to be effective? Yeah, I think it's really important to be yourself and also try not to be introverted on the internet. And I'm 
I am very introverted by nature. It took me a while to get used to being more vocal on LinkedIn, but it's important because there's 700 million people on that platform. And if you want to be noticed, it's really important for you to always update your profile whenever there's a change. Even if you learned a new skill, I want you to add it to your skill section. Any updates that you can make to your profile is really, really important. And then also just engaging in general. So just like you would scroll on Facebook or Instagram, you should scroll through your LinkedIn and you should like things and comment on things. And I know a lot of people might think, well, there's nothing on there for me. Well, you have to turn it into a platform that makes sense for you, right? You follow your favorite companies on your other platforms. You do the same thing on LinkedIn. You follow influencers on other platforms. You do the same thing on LinkedIn. Are the same influencers on every platform? No. So it's going to take you a little while because there are a lot of influencers out there that don't utilize um, LinkedIn. It's, it's still, in my opinion, an underutilized platform. But you got to do the work to find influential people that can fill up your feed and make your feed a little bit more meaningful. And then the next step is, is what everybody should be doing anyway, is going through your network of people. Like who are you not connected to that you should be connected to? When was the last time you looked at your list of connections, right? So think back to all the jobs that you ever had and connect to anybody that you, that you had a good relationship with, regardless of how long it has been. And Also, people are so open now to having conversations. So if you are in this space where I'm curious to know more about a specific industry, you should be using LinkedIn like your database. I mean, picture a networking event, picture being able to go to a networking event and having a database right in front of you to tell you exactly who is going to be in the room. That is what LinkedIn is for you. And that is what a physical networking space cannot give you, no matter what, right? That's, that's the risk. You go into a networking space, into a physical space, and you don't know who's in the room. But on LinkedIn, it's like this constant networking mixer that is always going on. And you could say, I could say, I want to see who the founder of Theater Art Life is. And I could send her a connection request. And I could see if she's going to respond. And maybe that's a door that will open for me. So if there is something that interests you, you can use it as your database to find a human being to talk to. So those are my main tips when it comes to engaging on LinkedIn. I think in my experience, I think it's also, I feel more inclined to respond to a LinkedIn message than the messages that come in on Facebook or Instagram and and things like that and and I wonder I also wonder what I like about LinkedIn is that nobody's profile is a bot or a fake thing that's a very vetted thing on LinkedIn that that anybody that belongs to it is real and so any real connect any connection is a real connection and I love that concept of it as opposed to there can be fake Facebook accounts and fake Instagram accounts and things like that. And maybe it's that that delegitimizes the messages that you might get through. Also because you can get a lot of spam through Facebook and Instagram. And I think less so, like you said, because people are actually reaching out for connection and perhaps a potential opportunity. So even just as somebody who gets a lot of messages on LinkedIn, I I tend to find myself replying more on the LinkedIn platform than any other platform that engages with our business. So it is interesting that you say that. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing too is compared to the other platforms, there's so much more 
intention and purpose behind LinkedIn. Like Instagram and Facebook could be whatever you want them to be. You could use them for personal use. You could use them for career use. You could use them just to look, just to scroll, right? But LinkedIn, it's we're all here to use it in some career capacity. And I think that that makes it special compared to the others um, where there is this more, you feel more safe on the platform. I mean, sure. Is it still social media and the internet and there's, you know, people that are inappropriate? Absolutely. That is still going to happen, but it happens far less on LinkedIn than anywhere else. (laughs) So tell us about the LinkedIn challenge then. And what do you, so I know that you tell us first about the LinkedIn challenge, and then I want you to go into how you really think that uh, performing arts people should be. I know you talk about how general engagement, but how they should be putting themselves on the platform right now in this situation with COVID. Yes, I am so excited. And actually, For the past couple of days, I've been posting every day an update about the challenge because we're in it right now. Today is day five of my challenge. I actually started this challenge like two years ago at the fund and I revamped it during the pandemic. Totally virtual, which is really interesting. So basically the idea is I want to help entertainment professionals tell their stories on LinkedIn, but I'm trying, I'm trying to bridge this gap between the non-entertainment industry and the entertainment industry. And I think the only way of doing that is by raising awareness through the voices of artists so that they can actually write content on LinkedIn, talking to the LinkedIn world, the LinkedIn universe, like, hey, this is what we actually do. Like artwork is work and this is what it looks like, right? But in order to do that, you know, you have to really start from scratch because LinkedIn is not a platform that entertainment professionals have ever felt safe using. So I created this series of workshops where you learn how to optimize your LinkedIn, just like I would teach you how to optimize your resume. And then going through the all all the navigation pieces of it, right? But in the end of it, after you've taken all my workshops and you've really learned like the kind of, you know, the nuts and bolts of LinkedIn, now it's time to put all the strategies that I taught you um, into practice, right? And I really love community. I am a huge, huge advocate for inserting a community whenever you can, because I think that it's really hard to do this on your own. So what happens is you are put into a 15-day challenge with fellow challengers. You are put into a LinkedIn group chat where you are required to check in with your group every single day just to say hi and how things are going. You're all also given the same daily activity. So one day it might be follow five of your favorite companies or send five connection requests to one of those companies that you followed. And you're kind of just all working together towards using this platform and navigating how to use this platform. And so it's been quite wonderful because they also are required to post content once a day for the full 15 days. And that teaches them copywriting skills on LinkedIn, which is really important. I actually have been telling everybody that I know, if you want to upskill right now, copywriting is a great way to do it because we have to use LinkedIn or any social media platform to communicate now because we're all from home. So it's really important that if you feel that that's that's an area that you're weak in, that you should definitely try and take a class on it, right? Because also it's 
creating this community on LinkedIn in general, now I'm noticing that people that aren't associated with the Actors Fund at all, like have never heard of it, are just coming to the Actors Fund because of the challenge. So artists are finding each other because I'm making them (laughs) actually post content once a day um, about their work. And so it's just been really, really lovely watching it all unfold. And we have actually the next one scheduled already. So that's exciting. That's amazing. That's amazing. I was actually having a chat to uh, a woman who's doing a, a webinar for us uh, very soon, Kathy, and she was saying something that was really interesting to me along the lines of what you're talking about now. She said, like, historically as a performer, you when you are selling yourself as a performer, it's either in an audition, using your voice, you're using your body as a dancer or using your acting ability. And so she said when she went for an actual interview, she was terrified because she'd never had any practice in doing such a thing. And, and I think it's the same thing with, you know, engaging in social media and copywriting and being appropriate on a platform because that's never part of the training of people in performing arts, I mean, maybe in some courses and classes there are, but I, do you think then that if given the nature of the way that um, the industry is changing and social media is permeating people's professional lives in terms of their representation and exposure, that that should be taught to professionals when, they, when they're learning their craft generally, like not only just learning the, the way to sing and dance and act, but they should also know the business side of it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this is a conversation that I've had so many times with so many people. It's so important for anyone in the arts, no matter what discipline you're in, to know the business. I actually have a colleague that is an entertainment lawyer, and he's always saying that this is the main issue that comes up with his clients is that they just were not informed. And that's another thing. That's another reason why LinkedIn is so important because there is no place, there is no place where entertainment professionals can talk about these things. You hear, you learn about all these things through word of mouth or through advice through other people or, you know, through a class that you took, but there's no LinkedIn for entertainment professionals. It just doesn't exist. So I, I mean, how many times do my clients tell me little things about why they do the things that they do on the business side? And I say, why don't you post about this on LinkedIn? There is somebody out there that was you, like is, is who you were five years ago when you were making this decision and could use that information, right? So I've been, and I, so that's the thing. There's this kind of like idea where it's like, Nobody's ever been put in this position where it's like, I need to go and actually say this somewhere, <laughs> Just, you know, so it's, it's quite interesting. So that's the other thing. LinkedIn could be a great place for the entertainment community to just start communicating and just putting out advice because LinkedIn is used in that way for other realms like marketing, sales, human resources. If you go on the newsfeed on LinkedIn, you could find a wealth of information for free about those three areas because there are just people in those industries that care that much and just want to put it out there in the world. Like this is information you need to know. And the entertainment industry could be doing the same exact thing. So the other thing I wanted to ask you, because it's always something that I wrestle with (laughs) in terms of LinkedIn because I read it and it honestly, I, I may be exposing too much about it, but sometimes like 
I, I, I see like the titles of people and they'll be like game changer or, and they make up all these like names about themselves. And it's just, I don't know, it's like, what would you advise people when they talk about their titles? Because some of them really annoy me. <laughs> the headline, right? The headline is the ultimate challenge for everyone. I get it. I get it. Do you feel that too, Anna? Like, do, I mean, what's on your LinkedIn? I'm going to go Google it right now. Oh, I don't know. I have it open right here. So. <laughs> but my, my my personal, my my profile says, so I have an issue with this, but it says that I'm the podcast co-host. And I think it's that you have to choose, right? Or something like that. Because I have that I'm the podcast co-host, but also that I'm doing my MFA in technical direction. You can create your own custom unique headline. So you could change that actually if you wanted to or add to it because that's a great lead. <laughs> but yeah, the headline is, is so difficult because how do I just package all of my experience in this tiny little space. And I think that that's the first thing to remember is it's not about your headline specifically is not about listing everything that you've ever done. It's about listing your priorities, right? What are you looking for, right? How are you trying to make money? So in some cases, you have to remember too that your LinkedIn is a selling document. Definitely you want to have your story together because you don't want to confuse anyone, but also remember that this is being used so that you could find an opportunity, whether it's a full-time, part-time, freelance gig, or even a podcast interview, right? I mean, if you're just a professional that's just trying to look for podcast interviews to be interviewed on, you could put that in your headline, right? It's a call to action of what you're looking for, plus some sparkles, right? So what is it? That's what I call, that's what I like to call anything that goes at the top of anything career uh, material related. Like what are your career sparkles? So for example, one of my clients is an Emmy award winner. So that's something that you might want to put up there, like an accomplishment that's really going to hook your audience in. And then also keywords, right? I mean, and this is where some of the work comes into play. You have to do your research and you have to have a decent idea of what it is that you're looking for so you know what to put there. Because what employers are doing is they're going into the search bar on LinkedIn and they're searching for skill sets. So you have to think, what is an employer searching for to find someone like me? And those are Sometimes those are questions where you need to actually reach out to people for informational interviews to find out that information. And it's okay if you're not there yet. Start with the sparkles, right? I see. I think like Anna was changing it while I was talking. I would love to know what she changed <laughs> she's it like, to. <laughs> she's going to put technical director for aquatic shows. Uh, I didn't, but it closed. <laughs> that will be once the degree's done, right? <laughs> I wrote live entertainment and water passionate, but then as allegedly it's also in French, German, and Spanish. And so it asks you if you want to update in the other languages. And I was not really paying attention because I was paying attention to the interview. So I just kept clicking OK and it kept switching. Uh, switching from tab to tab in every language. And that's what I actually had in the other languages. Oh, really? That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You're on point then. <laughs> yeah. Look, you updated. Your headline is is now updated. <laughs> <laughs> 
aside from LinkedIn during this period, you know, because during COVID, like are there any other sort of recommendations you have for your clients with regards to networking from home, you know, other kind of business development projects that they should be doing while, while there's a lot of downtime other than the social media engagement? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite pieces of advice is just to do something creative, project-based, right? Make something on your own. So for example, one of my colleagues created his own Zoom murder mystery just because. And I have another client, him and his wife, just started a YouTube channel where they do duets together and they just committed to that. And just committing to something creative that you can work on your own that will allow you to learn new things because when you give yourself a project and you want to improve on it you want to make it perfect you're going to learn things those are some of the clues that help you understand yourself better right it's like what am i what am i drawn to right so start with something that you want to do and get really good at it. And I think that that's a really healthy thing for people to do right now because you're going to meet people in the process. You're going to take trainings in the process. You're going to upskill in the process. So that's something that is incredibly important. The other thing I would say is if there are any communities that you're a part of or any companies that you're affiliated with, like if, if you're a union member, for example, just like go to any events that your union is hosting, right? Go on websites like Eventbrite and um, meetup.com and find a group of people that's doing something and just try and put yourself out there to meet new people virtually. And don't be afraid of the chat box. I feel like that's, I feel like that's another thing that people don't talk about enough. I don't think it's people are having a hard time finding places to go. I think people are having a hard time just thinking, I have to put something in this chat window so people know that I'm actually here so I can keep a conversation going after this, right? So for example, there's a lot of Slack communities too that are popping up organically. I don't know if you two have noticed this. I mean, I'm moderating one. Like after you finish my LinkedIn challenge, you actually get invited into my Slack workspace. And I'm part of a few, a couple of my clients have told me about a few, but it's like people are part of these Slack communities and they're not saying anything in the chats. It's like, just put yourself out there and say, I'm looking for an accountability partner, or I'm looking for someone to help me with this. Like, Part of it is just putting yourself out there and not being shy about it. I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is like no one answers you, which never happens. Someone will always answer you as long as there's a a large volume of people, right? So putting yourself out there is just another simple piece of advice that I think people just need a little nudge about. Yeah. I mean, going back to that project uh, idea as well, I think that's really valuable. And and, and the, the reason that I say that is because if you're doing a podcast or you're doing a YouTube channel or something like that, there's something that's got to be delivered regularly. And I think for a lot of people, and especially for, for me, when I stopped doing daily shows, because I did shows sort of you know, daily for almost ten, on 10 years, you know. And so when I moved away and started producing shows, it was really a, a really weird feeling not to have to drop everything and do that daily deliverable, you know, and do that show. And it didn't no matter what happened in the day, 
whether I was going to write a standard operating procedure or whether I was going to go look to hire somebody at at five o'clock, I'd be dropping everything and there would be the show. And if all of that, that so many entertainment professionals around the world are dropping and have lost, then there's no deliverable on a day-to-day basis. That could be quite, for me, because I experienced it myself when I stopped doing shows so regularly, it was quite, I felt quite adrift you know, and so to to get some kind of project. And for me, actually, funnily enough, it became me publishing articles on Theatre Art Life. I had this daily deadline of like an article a day, an article a day, now we do two articles a day, and, and it became another way of replacing that need to deliver something every day. And it's, it's really quite a funny psychology, but I, I really like the idea of people picking up projects, even if it is just for themselves, because I think that can then replace the usual routine that we have in the industry that is currently not there. Yeah, that's actually um, something that a lot of my clients have been telling me that it's been really hard for them not having that deliverable. I mean, I have a client that's a musician and he's just so passionate about his music. I mean, man works in the school system as a music teacher and he has like 30 private students and he gigs on his own, right? So he's working all the time as a musician and now he can't. So it's driving him nuts. So, you know, you have to come up with a way to fill that gap right now. And it's just as easy as saying, let me just make something, right? Like a Zoom murder mystery. I actually saw somebody talking about like some type of Zoom haunted house experience, which is really great. And actually, Airbnb is an awesome thing for artists to look into. I mean, Airbnb has a whole online experience section on there where you can apply to be an online experience host. One of my friends is a magician on there right now. I have an improv coach that's on there right now. In fact, we're actually going to be having a webinar with Airbnb very soon, and they're going to be giving all those details. But those are some options that are out there too that people can use to make money. Like Even though it might start as a passion project, you never know. You might actually be able to make money off of it. As a funny, geeky note, so when COVID started, but it was also the school summer, I was going, and I knew this was going to happen, I was going to go from having a lot of things to do and like 14-hour days to have nothing to do. I was like, mm, I don't know how this is going to go. So I still have here on my wall, and I changed, and the, the like I moved places, and the list came with me. So I have a little list for when I run out of ideas and I don't know what to do and I'm just sitting home. And so I have this list of finish your advanced uh, life support training. Yeah. Draft an inventor, learn more Python coding. And then I have like a list of 10 things that I can do if I'm just like literally sitting and it's like, I don't know what to do with my day. That's so great. That's another thing I definitely encourage people to do during this time is schedule that time with yourself during that day where you process and you look at a list like that, or you just have this time to go through your mental list and think, what do I have to get done today? Actually, my favorite thing also for my clients to do is to think of those three most important things for that day, which I learned through a training with this company called Life Labs, and they are amazing. And they were like, just come up with your three MITs every single day, and you will feel a little bit more productive each day rather than going through your day, just moving through it without a goal in mind. Start your day with those three MITs and you'll see something happen. And so what's the three three MITs? Explain what they are. 
So, uh, yeah, most important things. Um, that's what it stands for. Yeah. And I do it every day as well. And it really helps. So you're asking yourself at the start of the day, what are the three most important things that have to happen today? Is that, right. That the, the, right. Yeah, exactly. Whether it be I have to reach out to these five employers that I applied to yesterday or I have to paint the bathroom. Like what do you have to get done so that you can feel productive during this time? Because it is quite hard to feel productive during this time when there's not a lot to do and there's not a lot of places to go. So you have to work harder at structuring your day. You have to work harder at breaking up your day so it actually feels like you're working and you're being productive rather than it just being one long week that never ends. And if you're used to being dictated to in terms of schedule and rehearsal and showtimes and stuff and suddenly and if you've all your life you've never really done been a self-motivating person, I can imagine that that would then be something that you would be again a little adrift if you don't start to structure your day when you when you haven't got those motivators yeah that's a great point there's so many people out there that have just been used to being told where to go and they take really great direction and that's a great thing I know that's an amazing thing that you could take a direction and you like being given a structure but now it's you have to learn how to do it on your own and that's a skill set in itself so everything is a learning experience and I think that's another really important piece of, you know, of knowledge that it's like, you know, everything that you do, give it purpose, everything that you do, learn something from it. Don't just dismiss it. All right. So how do I find the LinkedIn challenge? How do I enroll? What do I do? Yes. Um, you can actually go to actorsfund.org slash workshops. And if you head on over to our November calendar, you will see that part one and two are on the calendar for November. And yeah, all the information is right there for you. It says advanced LinkedIn parts one and two. You could sign up for them. And that's where you'll get all of the information to sign up for the challenge. Wonderful. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us all about yourself and your work and giving us loads of advice to take away with us tonight. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. write a review on our podcast whatever you listen to your podcast and let your friends know about us you can learn more about theater art live by visiting our website at www.theaterartlive.com and you can also follow us on social media and leave your questions and comments on facebook instagram linkedin pinterest twitter or youtube we want to thank david sire for composing the music for our podcast and michelle Girata, who is our sound engineer we are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life Podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create life entertainment around the world. <laughs>